Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture lesson this morning will be taken from the book of Mark, the fifth chapter, and beginning with the first verse, talking about Jesus and his disciples, so they came to the other side of the lake of Lake Galilee, to the territory of the Gerasenes. As soon as Jesus got out of the boat, he was met by a man who came out of the burial caves. This man had an evil spirit in him and lived among the graves. Nobody could keep him tied with chains anymore. Many times his feet and hands had been tied, but every time he broke the chains and smashed the arms on his feet, he was too strong for anyone to stop him. Day and night he wandered among the graves and through the hills, screaming and cutting himself with stones. He was some distance away when he saw Jesus, so he ran, fell on his knees before him, and screamed in a loud voice, Jesus, Son of the Most High God, what do you want with me? For God's sake, I beg you, do not punish me. He said this because Jesus was saying to him, evil spirit, come out of this man. So Jesus asked him, what is your name? The man answered, my name is Mob. There are so many of us. And he kept begging Jesus not to send the evil spirits out of that territory. A large herd of pigs was nearby feeding on the hillside. The spirits begged Jesus, send us to the pigs and let us go into them. So he let them. The evil spirits went out of the man and went into the pigs. The whole herd, about 2,000 pigs and all, rushed down the side of the cliff and into the lake and were drowned. The man who had been taking care of the pigs ran away and spread the news in the town among the farmers. Farms. The people went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who used to have the mob of demons in him. He was sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were all afraid. Those who had seen it had told the people what had happened to the man with the demons and about the pigs. So they began to ask Jesus, to leave the territory. So they begin to ask Jesus to leave the territory. Lord, help us to understand what we read today. You know, some things are just almost unbelievable. In fact, the whole day yesterday was unbelievable to me. It was just a, just a fantastic day. But the thing that was most unbelievable about it is that in the hottest part of the day, I suppose, we had about 50 or 60-some people on the back of our lot back here playing ball. And I had to go back because one team had won the league for the year and present them the trophy, and I was delighted to do it. Uh, but as I was sitting there waiting for the, the game to finish, I could not believe what I was seeing. Here are all these ladies girls out there playing in that hot sun and there were about 15 or 20 people on the bleachers right out in the hottest of the hot and there they were screaming and a yelling and a holler 
And I thought to myself, I bet if I offer them $10 a piece to come out here and do something, and not as strange as playing ball, they would say to me, you're out of your cotton-picking mind. <laughs> I wouldn't go out there and work like that for $10 for anybody. And that's about the truth. Just unbelievable. Well, we run into it all the time. Here's an unbelievable situation within the Scriptures. When you really begin to look at the situation, you see, Mark is talking about something. He's, he's put it into words. But unless you really look at what this man is saying, as he presents this situation in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will overlook the undercurrents that are really here. Because there's a great message here, and Mark caught it. And he uses this uh, incident in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ to tell us something that's unique about us. It was about the group that he lived with. And it's about the group that you and I live with today. And if anything can be said to be more so today than it was in the, in the time of Mark, rather, in the time of Mark, it would be we could say it today. You know, it is Mark that had the penetrating insight into the, into the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in a great way. All of them did. But Mark sometimes has an edge. And you can see it in this story. And it's an unbelievable one. Because you see, here's a group of people that Jesus went to to minister to. Now the fame of Jesus had gone all out through the land. They knew him to be a miracle worker. They knew him, one, to have great compassion for the people who were sick. And, and one who could heal them. And, and heretofore, people had really been brought to him and streaming to him in order for him to heal them. In fact, we... Think about the, the man that didn't, uh, couldn't go to the Lord Jesus Christ because of the crowd and some of his friends uh, took him up on top of the house and cut a hole in the roof and let him down in front of the Lord Jesus Christ in order that he might be healed. And, and these people knew that. And, and yet, strange, they invited the Lord Jesus Christ to leave their country. And then we see on the part of this man, here is this poor, pitiful, helpless, hopeless man uh, that was demon-possessed and long ago had been driven from his home and, and from town and from his family. And here he was out there, a miserable wreck. He, he was, uh, couldn't die and yet, yet he couldn't live. And here he was in this awful state, even if he were not conscious of the awful state that he was in. And that may be a possibility, but you think about his family that loved him. Uh, something that's worse than death almost. Here he was completely uh, uh, like an animal, as much as any human being can, can be, in this uh, never-never land where he is uh, not animal or man. And think about his family, how they, they must have suffered to see one that they loved so very dearly uh, be out there in that type of a situation. Com completely... Uh, hopeless and in a helpless situation and here this man was. I have been in the hospital with people when they thought that there was something badly, gravely wrong with them and the doctor would bring back a report after surgery and say everything has been corrected, everything is taken care of. Now, this person will be up and around pretty soon and be able to do every wonderful thing that they've ever been able to do before. This will not affect them in the future at all. It's been corrected and taken care of completely. 
And in a situation like that, it's such a happy thing and such a relief to know uh, that the person is going to be well and, and be the person that they, they were before they came to the hospital. But there was no shout of joy that went up for this man. Isn't it strange? Here this man was healed. He had done great damage to the people. He had been an embarrassment to the city and, and to his family. And here he had been healed. But there's no child, it's okay, it's wonderful, it's absolutely fantastic, he's well again. Certainly not on the part of the city. Now, why? That's the question. Why didn't it happen? Was it because they asked the Lord Jesus Christ to leave the country because there was uh, no one else to be helped, no one else sick, no one else needed him? Uh, we know better than that. We'd have to even stretch our imagination to even to think in that direction. But they asked the Lord Jesus Christ to leave, leave the city, to leave their country. Now, dear friends, <clears throat> this is the thing that caused the problem. And that is that Jesus healed this man and it cost the city their pigs. And there are certain things we don't like to be and have disturbed at any price. And we don't like to have our pigs disturbed. There are certain things that we don't want to be bothered. And we don't want to be bothered. And we don't want it bothered or whatever it is. And we in a sense today have our pigs just as much as these people of long ago. And you see the truth of it is that, uh, that Mark called it a shift here on the part of the people. You see Jesus had his emphasis on man and the need of one man. And the people had their emphasis on the pigs. It's always our dilemma. Whether it's in the day of, of 4,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago or whether it be today. It's easy for us to lose sight of what we're about and what we're to do. Uh, we're, we're bent today on being that, uh, that private person. Uh, we're bent today on more than ever before. Because you see today within our society... Most of us have reached a level within our living of this great land of ours uh, where we are pretty comfortable and we want it to stay that way and we don't want anybody fooling with it and we don't want these people who have not uh, in other countries trying to tell us uh, of what we're going to have to do. We, we just don't like that at all. In fact, when we come down to it, we just don't like to have our pigs disturbed, period. Now what am I talking about? And what, is, and what is Mark really talking about? Is he just talking about pigs or does he have a principle in mind that plagues man down through the ages and, and with us today? I've quoted from this man before. The private person. The private future. Now this man is talking about the same principle uh, that uh, Mark is talking about. And he, seems, he sees the same awful consequences. Though this is not scriptural. But I want to read to you this dilemma that you and I are in today and what this man, this writer, has to say about it. Now it's a great book. I recommend it. But don't get lost in the detail because this man is talking about the person right where you and I are today. Where we don't want to be disturbed. But he calls it the private person. Now this is what he says. The process of privatization is irreversible. 
and the present circumstances of the Western world. Now this is an English writer, but he's writing about you and me, okay? And the allegiance of its people to the dreams so indiscriminately displayed within it will survive any effort at reversal short of total destruction. Now I hope this man's wrong. I hope this man's wrong because he says in effect that the where you and I are today and what we're after that we will not be turned aside that we will be totally destroyed before we will give it up and then the very last paragraph let me read it to you because he sees this out here now he sees where we are going and now we have reached it and we have made it to this place and he says alone and a centrally heated air-conditioned capsule, drugged, fed with music and erotic imagery. The parts of his consciousness separated into components that reach everywhere and nowhere. The private citizen of the future will have become one with the end of effort and the triumph of sensation divorced from action. When the barbarians arrive, they will find him like some Greek sage, lost in contemplation, terrified, yet fearless, listening to himself. Now, don't get lost in the words. What he is saying is a trend that's already set in, and he thinks he's got two and two together, and it comes up with four. Now, I wish I had a better way of presenting what I want to call briefly to your attention instead of doing it in a negative way. But you'll forgive me this morning because I know of no better way. But you see what this man is really saying. When you strip away the fancies that what, what Mark is saying here too. Same. He is saying that we do not want to be disturbed as far as our comfort is concerned. We don't want to be disturbed. We don't want to be disturbed. Now suppose that we made an offer and said that we had the answer for the ills of this world and for the, the lost condition of man that we could make the world better and men better if they would listen to what we have to present to them and you would say readily well that's wonderful let's do it and that's precisely what we have and that's precisely what Mark was saying but unfortunately, it was only this demonic that Christ helped. Not the great masses, you see. Because in reality, they did not want to be disturbed, their comfort. And as soon as they found out that it had a possibility of being disturbed, they did not want Jesus around anymore. They invited him to leave. In fact, they told him to leave. We today have the highest living scale and a way of comfort as any group of people upon the face of the earth, the great masses in our country have it. The question is, are we willing to be bothered? Now we don't mind if someone else has it. We would be glad if these other countries and around the world, everybody had it. We don't care as long as you don't bother my comfort. And if it calls into question my comfort, well then that's a different situation. And this man says nothing's going to stop us. We will not be turned aside. 
that more and more we're going to isolate ourselves, be responsible for no one, and, and ask to, no one to be responsible for us. Take care of myself. Go in my capital. He describes the car in here. You are to read it. It's the most fascinating thing I've ever read about the car. What this thing is. Well, it's more than transportation, and you better believe that. Well, anyway, we come to the place where we more and more move in until we have reached this, this zero type of living that is so wonderful. We almost get there. We talked today of life owing us a living. Well, what does life owe us? We hear people saying, well, life owes us something. And usually they mean by that that we're supposed to, they're supposed to live off of our society. Well, the truth of it is that life doesn't owe us anything. We owe life everything. You see, you and I are committed to Christ. And we say we owe Him without any hesitation at all. We say we owe Him everything. Everything belongs to Him. My very soul. My very life is in His hand. And rightly so and gladly so because I have made a commitment to Him for it to be that way. And so, human comfort. Oh, it's human. Dear friends, it is human as human can be to want comfort. But it is divine to share or give it up for another. Did you know that? Now that's divine. That's following the Lord. That's another way. Saying the same thing. And that's being a Christian. That's being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is precisely what our blessed Lord did for you and for me. And I don't believe it's going to happen the way that He says because there's too many of us committed. There's too many people committed to Christ. And we know that we have a responsibility to this world and to one another and we accept it gladly. And that's going to make the difference. Well, we don't like our comfort dis disturbed and we don't want our, our possessions disturbed either. We don't object to healing anyone, anywhere, any place. In fact, we support it. As long as it doesn't disturb our possessions, of course. That's the catch. It's alright for Jesus to heal anywhere, any place He wants to, but not coming to our country and doing it here when I'm going to have to pay for it. The pigs are going to have to pay the price. Healing at the price of the pigs. They have long ago found that the price was much too high for them. Now we have found the way about it today. We just don't tell Christ to go anymore. Oh no, we're too cultured for that and too religious for that. We, we don't tell Christ to go. We've just found a way to protect our pigs. That's all. And we know how to do it. And we justify ourselves. You know, can't you see, look at the situation that happened. And what have some of our people within our society been standing there that day? You can almost hear what they were going to say. Well, what an injustice to do to the pigs. That sounds sort of an injustice, doesn't it? These poor, miserable pigs. And so all of them went down and jumped into the lake and were destroyed. You know, there's a, there's a cheap sentimentalism that goes about us today that language and grief over an animal. But we never get around to even lifting our finger to banish the pain of one single human being. Now, folks, I'm not talking against uh, 
of these laws that we have to protect animals. I'm not in favor of harassing any animal or mistreating it in any way. But let us look at what this man is saying and get it in our mind once and for all. When it came to the Lord Jesus Christ and what He thought and the relation between man and animal, that there was a great gulf fixed, no comparison, that one miserable man was worth more than 2,000 pigs. Let's be rid of this stuff that we come along here and try to make animals like people. They're not people. And people are not animals. But the city fathers didn't like it too well. You're messing around with our possessions and, and we need that. And so we don't need you anymore. You disturb us and you disturb the our possessions, and so you've got to go. Don't talk to me about my responsibility to God. Oh, we don't like to hear that too well. I am grateful. Folk, I want you to know this morning. I didn't say this morning just off the top of my head. It's after I've read this and, and tried to prepare to call to your attention this morning. I am grateful to Almighty God that I am part of a people right here at Watkins that are willing to do what needs to be done in order that we might get on with the business of building the kingdom here. And that is reaching out to people and telling them about Christ. Whatever it costs, we're willing to do it. Let the pigs go. That's wonderful. And in the last place, and this is the keenest insight of all that this man had into what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at it for what it really is. You see, these folk over here, they, they had a religion. They were religious people. They were very religious. In fact, they had a, a law for everything. They had a, a certain way to eat and a certain way to, religious way to, to wash and to bathe. And they had a, a certain religious way about traveling too. In fact, that you could say that they had a real neat religion. And they had it all spelt out, and they had it in a neat little package, and it was just looked beautiful. On the surface, it just looked wonderful, and they, these, these folk were religious folk. And they knew that they were religious, and, and they knew how to handle a, a demon-possessed person, too, you see. They had that all worked out, too. If you couldn't chain him in time to a tree out there where he wouldn't bother anybody, well, just throw him out of town and, and force him out there in the graveyard and let him live out there with the dead. And don't let him come back to town anymore. And if he comes back to town, well, try to kill him. Well, even this demon-possessed man knew he had sense enough to know that he couldn't come back to town. He stayed out there, you know. And they had it all worked out, you see. And they didn't want anything to do with that, that character. Now look at the situation for what it really really is. Now here comes the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Now I ask you a question. Was it by chance or accident that Jesus landed at that specific place on the beach there in the proximity of that demon-possessed person? Was it just by some freak accident that Jesus happened to be there? You'll never make me believe that in a minute. You'll never make Mark believe that. No. This was a design of God. Jesus knew precisely where he was going to land. He knew precisely why he was going to land there. He knew precisely who he was going to talk to. 
And he knew that this outcast, demon-possessed, hopeless, miserable wreck of a man was going to be the one that he was going to deal with. And he began to deal with this man, you see, and not, not by chance. Here the Lord Jesus Christ comes along and goes to the condemned and to the outcast instead of going downtown and meeting all the nice officials of the town or all the lovely people over at the other place. Now what is Jesus trying to say? I think he was trying to say, look out for the closed mind. Watch it. If you think you've got it all packaged together and there's no more for you to learn, you have arrived at a state that's dangerous. Here the very Son of God. Look at it. Here the Christ, the Messiah. Here the promised one that they've been looking for for hundreds of years. Here before them. And they knew of his fame. And yet they rejected him. Because their mind was closed. They couldn't see any, any real religious basis for what he did in relation to their procession. He's a dangerous man to have around. We've got to get rid of him. The closed mind always comes out that way. It's not what Christ said about God that got him into trouble. Not on your life. It was never what Jesus said, or very seldom was it ever what Jesus said about God that got him in trouble. Now, we are at that place today. I'll tell you what you can do. You can go out here and talk theology to anyone you want to, and in all probability, you'll not upset. At the flea market here yesterday, I met two, two ladies out here at a booth, and we got talking about the, about the Lord and about the church, and... And I'm out there sort of loafing around in our community and I was trying to get them to come over here and be with us. And I don't see them here this morning. No, I didn't do a very good job. But anyway, <clears throat> we got talking about being demon-possessed. I didn't have the heart to tell them I was going to preach on it this morning. You know. Well, anyway, here we are with this character here talking theology. It doesn't bother us at all. In fact, we'll stay up all day, all night, and we'll listen to anyone and discuss theology with them. And the same in Jesus' day. It doesn't bother us too much. But I tell you, what does upset us, though? You see, what really upset them is what Jesus was really saying by his action and by his word. Uh, when he, in effect, told them that this man is worth more than all of the city, all the city possessions. They didn't like that too well. Worth more than all that this city owns. One miserable human being. And then when he told them in effect that you have a responsibility for this miserable person, that's what got him in trouble. Oh, you got to leave, fellow. you got to leave. When you try to tell me that I'm responsible for another human being, when you try to tell me that I'm responsible for every human being I come in contact with, when you try to tell me that I'm responsible for even people that I don't know but have some opportunity of affecting something within their life good because of what I give, I am responsible for that person and to that person. Oh, now that's when you get down there where they say you start meddling, you see. But that's what Jesus is saying. That's what reason Mark remembered this story. We have a responsibility to one another. 
And not only to one another, dear friends, but the one that lives out there in the tombs. The graveyard. Among the dead. If we continue, this man says, if our culture, our society continues the way that it is, it will be total destruction from within. I don't believe it. Because I believe that you and I are going to continue to do what we ought to do, and we're even going to do it more so. And we're going to try our dead level best to do and to be the disciple that the Lord Jesus Christ has called us to be. But you still, it's still our hang-up, you see. Here's where I get in trouble. I'm no different than you. I'm talking to my own soul this morning. I'm lifting up something here for it to look at too and remind it that you had better pay attention to what the Scripture is really trying to say to you. It is my comfort, my possession, and sometimes my religion that's get stereotyped and all twisted up so that I can't see that the man out there that's been rejected by everybody is the one that I had better be interested in because that's the one that my blessed Lord was interested in. And if I'm going to be a disciple of His today, I'm going to have to do the same thing. I'm going to be on my way doing exactly what He did. And you see, down in reality, it's got to be that way. It's either we're willing to share our comfort, our possessions, and our religion, or we have no part with Christ. One or the other is going to go. In this situation, it was Jesus that left. Sad situation, isn't it? May you and I be far wiser than these folk of long ago. And may we be able to see that our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ is to be carried out in our commitment and dedication and service one to the other and to our community and to our fellow man that we find wherever we find them. Oh, our Father, may we see what Mark was able to see so clearly that we would be able to more perfectly perfect our discipleship today to serve the Lord and one another. For we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 